Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So there was this really awesome show called Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist. And it was a cartoon and it ran from like 1995 to 2002 with Jonathan Katz as a professional therapist who encounters all of these different patients. And every single one of his patients is like an A-list comedian. And so I always felt like this show was absolutely brilliant. And I think I'm gonna rewatch it because it just was so funny. And I love any kind of comedy that has to do with psychology and mental health and the human condition. So my episode today just kind of reminds me of what you would encounter on an episode of Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist. Now, this is about resistance. I feel like resistance comes out in a variety of ways, both conscious and unconscious. And what I mean by resistance is the person who comes into therapy doesn't actually want to get better completely. So people show up in therapy because they are trying to work on their mental health issues and they're trying to overcome something, typically. But I do see people being resistant. Now, the most obvious form of resistance is somebody who is malingering for some reason. Perhaps they need to keep a diagnosis because they get state funding for having said diagnosis and so they really can't get better because that means they lose money. And so they have to show effort that they are getting some kind of treatment but they don't actually want to get better. So that's a possibility. It's kind of rare to see something like that in therapy but it does happen occasionally. Another way that I see people being obviously resistant is when a person is not in therapy because they decided to get therapy, but because somebody else in their life decided they should get therapy, like maybe a boss or a partner. Somebody said, you've got to work on your stuff or else, and they've been given some kind of ultimatum like they will be broken up with, or they won't get a promotion, or they'll get demoted, or whatever it is. They've got some problem, and somebody else sent them, and therefore, they do not actually want to get better, and they don't actually want to work on themselves. They just want to show that they are showing up, and somebody to sign off on their sessions. And so that happens. Um, But then there are all these other weird ways that people are resistant in therapy and consciously resistant in therapy in particular, meaning that they know they're being resistant and they say it out loud and they are fully aware that they are being resistant, but they are being resistant anyway. This is where it feels like 
an episode of Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist. So sometimes people will show up and they will show up late, like maybe they're 20 minutes late to their session. And so we don't really have a lot of time to do that sort of deep-rooted trauma work that I like to do with people. And so often people will say that out loud. Oh, shoot, I was too late. Guess we can't work on that. Ha, ha, ha. And so they will sometimes do that on purpose or be somewhat relieved that there was traffic and they didn't make it on time and they know that our time is limited. And so sometimes people will just say that out loud. Like, oops, guess we can't do that work. Another way that resistance shows up is like people monologuing. Basically, they will come in and they will just start talking and they talk incessantly. And I try to reflect and jump in and say something and they just keep talking. They just kind of blow it off and just keep going and going and going. And sometimes they ask themselves questions and answer their own questions and and basically have their own therapy session on their own topics. And I could probably walk away and they wouldn't even notice because they're so busy talking. So I will try to reflect or say something or ask a question. And if it's not a very difficult question to answer, they'll simply answer and just keep going. Or if it is a difficult question, like, oh, wow, that must have been difficult for you. What were you going through? And they don't want to say that. They don't want to talk about their feelings. They'll just sort of blow it off. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, what I was saying was, and so what's interesting to me is what a complete waste of money this is. I'm not sure what the purpose of going to therapy is if you're just going to monologue in order to avoid the hard work, but it happens a lot. And then another thing that people will do is they will tell me about some more superficial problem than what we should be working on, but is a problem nonetheless. And it'll be something like, oh, you know, my boss seems to be in a bad mood and I am having difficulty dealing with her and she's taking things out on me and I don't know how to handle it. And so I really want to talk about this right now. And it's really not the issue that we're supposed to be working on, but, but the client will make it seem like this is it. This is everything that they're dealing with right now. This is so important that we work on that all that other childhood stuff needs to take a back burner while we talk about this immediate problem right here. And so that happens. And when people come to therapy, they will get an assessment 
And sometimes the assessment just all takes place in that first session where I take the history and then I go, oh, I see that your problems are A, B, and C, and these are the things that I think we need to focus on, and this is a problem over here, and that's a problem over there. Or sometimes getting to know somebody, I figure out that the way that they presented things wasn't the full picture. And after a couple of weeks, I go, okay, it looks like this is a bigger problem than we really talked about in the beginning. And so we have to address this. But typically what happens in therapy in general is people come in with their ideas about what their main problems are. And mostly people are right about that, but what ends up happening is as a result of a professional, such as a psychologist, listening, it ends up being that the problems are not just that, but this over here and that over there as well. And so there is a period of time in therapy where things become a little more uncomfortable because here you were thinking that this was your problem and now you found out that these other things over here are problems too. And so that becomes very uncomfortable to people and sometimes quite frankly, people drop out of therapy at that point because they didn't realize just how big or how deep the problems were. And so when people are trying to come to therapy and resist working on those things, they will keep focusing in on what their presenting problem was to begin with. And what will happen is I will say something like, yes, I understand that that's a big issue for you, but if you don't address this first or notice this happening all the time all around you, that's not going to get much better. And and then I will get a fight. Then I will get resistance like, well, but this is really what I want to work on and I don't think that's very significant to what the real problem is and, and they will try to redirect into something other than what the mental health expert thinks is important. This can become even bigger where I will literally find myself in an argument with people about what the actual problem is and that sometimes people decide that they know better about what the issues are and they know better than the mental health expert who is trying to help them and damn it, that's what they're gonna work on and they don't wanna hear anything else about anything from the past or their childhood or, or the psychologist's point of view whatsoever. And so that becomes a little bit ridiculous because If you, in fact, are the expert on your mental health, then why would you need to come to therapy? And there have been times where I have told people, you're the expert, I don't think you need me, and sent them on their way. Because 
What am I going to do with that? If you don't let the mental health experts take the reins and you are resistant to that, then how on earth are you going to get better? How will you work through your issues if you're not willing to allow the person who is educated and experienced in mental health issues to guide you through those issues? Now, those are all conscious ways that people show resistance in therapy. There are unconscious ways too. You could come to therapy and you could genuinely want to work on yourself and work through your issues because some parts of your life are just so uncomfortable that you need to get a handle on things. And you know this well. However, there is another part of you that knows that getting better will have its consequences. And so this other part of you, which may remain unconscious, will do things to resist therapy, to resist the change that comes with therapy. And it's true. There are ways that there are consequences of you changing. And typically that has to do with relationships that a lot of times when people are in dysfunctional relationships with someone, whether we're talking about a longtime friend or a significant other, something like that, or even family members, there will come a time in therapy where it will become obvious that you need to either back off of a relationship or sever ties with certain people. And there's going to be a huge consequence to you when you do that. Now, it might be with friends that you have a friend group that you are part of. And if you decide to sever ties with one of the friends, it kind of means that you are going to end up in an uncomfortable situation with the rest of the friends or that you will have to run defense on when a certain person is in the group and when they're not in the group and when you can go and when you can't. So it does make your life pretty inconvenient. And from a psychologist's perspective, I have seen this when it comes to abusive romantic relationships where the idea is that you are gonna have to end this relationship for the sake of your own mental health. However, you are financially dependent upon someone. And what are you going to do if you end this relationship? Suddenly you have no place to live and no money, maybe even no car. We see this a lot with people who are in domestic violence situations or even just emotionally abusive relationships where there is a terrible 
consequence to the rest of your life if you end this relationship. And that becomes scarier than the consequence of getting mentally beat up all the time or physically beat up all the time. The idea of being homeless becomes scarier than somebody who's mistreating you. And it's totally understandable. And so the way that resistance shows up is in all these different ways. Like like you could get better in ways that are safe to get better. For example, if your psychologist teaches you how to manage stress better, that's safe. That doesn't destroy anything in your life. And so your brain becomes open to learning that. But the part where you have to end the relationship, mm, suddenly your mind goes blank or you don't know what to say or you're not really hearing everything that the psychologist is telling you. And so you are unconsciously being resistant. And this can happen in family relationships too. What the heck are you supposed to do if you recognize that your parent is in fact a narcissist or has borderline personality disorder or something like that, where you know that going forward is just going to be painful and you're gonna have to run defense on spending time with your family. And how are you gonna do that? What excuse are you gonna have to not be involved in family gatherings? And it's gonna create a problem for other family members too. And so your brain might find a way to not really fully heal when it comes to the idea of having to reimagine your relationship with a parent or another important family member. And so this happens a lot. And sometimes, because it's unconscious, people will even say to me, I'm not even sure why I'm not getting better. I know that this is wrong for me, that this situation is bad for me, and yet I keep making the same mistakes over and over again by allowing this person to treat me this way. And so we sometimes have to take a hard look at the unconscious ways that you might be hanging on to a dysfunctional relationship and the unconscious reasoning behind why you don't want to get healthier. And sometimes it's as simple as guilt. If I get better and my partner doesn't get better or my family member doesn't get better, then that's not fair to them and that's sad for them. And so I'm going to stay right here with them in this dysfunctional place because I don't want to abandon them or leave them behind emotionally. 
And then, of course, we do have people in therapy who need to stay unhealthy psychologically because there is just simply too much positive reinforcement that they have gained by having a mental health diagnosis. If you are able to tell people that you are depressed, that you suffer from an anxiety disorder or whatever it is, and the people around you are wonderfully supportive and check in with you all the time and make sure you're okay and listen to your problems all the time. And that's how you relate with people. And it feels wonderful to be supported and cared for. And on some level, you don't know if you will get the same level of support and care if you are better. Maybe people won't check in with you as much, or maybe they won't worry about you as much, or maybe they just won't be around as much. And so unconsciously, somehow, you find a way to not get better because the consequences are too great. This is what resistance is all about. Sometimes it's obvious and on purpose, people don't want to do the work. And sometimes it's not so obvious and it's unconscious and you want to get better, but there's something kind of holding you back. And so I would recommend in your search for a psychologist or some other kind of therapist, that you would find somebody who is able to really talk with you and confront any type of resistance, either conscious or unconscious, that you have, but do so in a way that is not shaming or makes you feel bad about yourself. Somebody who can gently share concerns about resistance and reasons why you might not want to get better and figure out what needs to change and how to best change it in a way that is palatable for you. And so I wish you the best of luck if you are searching for someone to work through this kind of stuff with you. Be well. And thank you for listening.